Hi, my name is Eric Johnson, and I'm part of Revolution Church's launch team. Today I will read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, and Samaria, and into the earth. Well, good morning and welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Welcome if you're here with me live in West, if you're over in East, and also if you're tuning online. Thanks for taking time out of your weekend to be here with us. If we've not met before, my name is Jimmy Cozy. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Super excited to have the opportunity to look into God's word with you this morning and see what he has to say for us. And if you've been around the last few weeks, you know we've been in the middle of our series from the book of Mark talking about how Jesus is our one true king. We're five weeks into that series. This week, we're going to take a break, kind of like a halftime show. And then we have five more weeks of Mark. And I've never lived in an area where I was subject to a king, so I don't really know what that's like. But I can make some assumptions about what it's like to live with a king. Here's a couple. The first would be that if you have a king, the things that matter to that king should also matter to you. That makes sense to me. And then additionally, if you have a king and that king tells you to do something, you should do it. Listen, if Jesus is our king, which he is, he is not vague about the things that matter to him and the things that he wants us to do. He's crystal clear about it. And so this morning, I want to spend some time looking at a story that comes from the very end of Jesus' time on earth. It actually contains the very last words, the last instructions that he gave to his disciples before he left this earth. It comes from Acts chapter 1, just to kind of set the scene a little bit. So what's going on as this happens is Jesus is about 40 days after he's raised from the dead. He's got a group of his disciples and they're up on the top of a mountain having kind of this final conversation. So I'm going to start reading in Acts chapter 1 verse 6. It says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So I'm going to stop there for a second. This story begins with the disciples looking at Jesus and asking him a question. They say, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And I think one of the things that we need to kind of be careful, at least I need to be careful about sometimes, is that Uh, Sometimes we look at the disciples and kind of treat them as the Elmer Fudd of different Bible stories. And here's what I mean by that. It always seems like they're a day late, a dollar short. They're the ones who are skeptical. You know, for example, we read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and Jesus kind of said, we're going to feed these people. And then he hands them the back and says, figure it out. Or we hear the story of Jesus being asleep in the boat and calming the storm, and they're the ones who are panicking. Other stories, whether it's Jesus walking on water or healing or raising people from the dead, it always seems like the disciples are the ones that are skeptical. They're the ones that don't have enough faith. They're the ones that are panicking, that are scared, that that don't believe. But what I realize is we have the benefit of seeing the entire story. And one of the things I've learned for myself, it's a good piece of advice, is that If ever you're reading a story from the Bible and you find yourself looking at a character through that lens, like they're kind of bumbling and stumbling over themselves, I should be careful because it's possible that I'm a lot more like that character than I am the hero of that story, whoever that may be. And in this case, I definitely think that's true because I was thinking about this. 
the disciples in this moment are asking the exact question that I would be asking if I were in their shoes. What they're really asking is, they're saying, Jesus, we've been through all of this stuff. You have healed people, you've been preaching, you have done these miracles, raised people from the dead to the point where the religious establishment was so upset with you that they killed you, then you raised from the dead. What more do you have the proof? You say you're king, are you gonna start that kingdom right now? Are you gonna install, like why'd you bring us up on this mountain? Are you gonna rain fire down from heaven? Are you gonna fly a giant spaceship like Independence Day over Jerusalem and say, I'm here, I'm king, it's time for my kingdom to be installed. They're asking a question that I would have asked as well. And it's interesting, there's a lot of insight for us in Jesus' answer to this question. He says some pretty amazing things. I'm gonna pick up reading again in verse seven. It says, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, into the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." So Jesus answers their question of when are you going to become king? And he gives them two answers. The first thing he says is, uh, it's not time yet. And actually, more clearly, he says, the timing of when I do this is not your concern. And the second thing that he says is, there is more work to be done. And actually, you are going to be the ones to help me do it. That's what he says. He says, actually, you are going to be my witnesses in Judea or in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what he's really saying is, you guys think that everything that we've experienced thus far has been the mission. That coming here, the miracles, the healing, dying, raising from the dead. But what I'm here today to tell you is this is not the culmination. We actually have way more work to do. And then he invites them in to be able to do it. And this is an amazing thing for Jesus to say. I was wrestling with this question a little bit this week, but what I realized is that we are here today, I am here today, this church is here today because Acts 1 was not the end of the mission. It was when Jesus invited us in, invited his followers in to participate in his mission because he had bigger things planned. And look, we want to be a church that is as close to the heart of Jesus as possible. We want the things that matter to Jesus to matter to us. We want to do the things that Jesus wants us to do. And Jesus is not vague about that. He lays it out very simply and very clearly in this passage. When he's talking to the disciples, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you know your ancient geography, what you know is that he's moving with progressively wider concentric circles saying, you're going to take care of your city. That's Jerusalem. Then you're going to look to the region. That's Judea and Samaria. And then you want to see the gospel go forward to the ends of the earth. Which, by the way, I think it bears saying that here we sit 2,000 years later. As far as Jerusalem is concerned, we are literally at the ends of the earth talking about Jesus and gathering to worship him this morning. And here at CCC, we have three big goals that we launched 
in January of 2021. And if you've been around for a while, you may have heard these, but we call them everyone, every community, and everywhere. And here's how they work. Everyone is simply this. Over the course of 30 years, we want to see 10,000 people come to faith in Jesus and start a relationship with him within 10 miles of where we are right now. That's what we mean when we say everyone. Every community, over the course of 30 years, we would like to see 60 churches planted in neighborhoods around Northeast Ohio that need an effective gospel preaching church. That's every community. And then finally, our everywhere goal is that over the course of 30 years, we'd like to give $30 million away to global missions where the gospel is being taken forward to the ends of the earth. And we, if you've been around, you've heard those. We have hallways that are attached to them. But what is important to know is that those goals didn't arise from some sort of corporate planning strategy session. They're pulled directly from Scripture, from this passage right here, where Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the ends of the earth. We say the same thing. Our goals are everyone, we want to take care of our city within 10 miles. Every community, expand out to our region to see 60 churches planted in neighborhoods around here and then everywhere to see the gospel go forward to the ends of the earth. And this weekend is all about that second goal, the every community goal. That's what Orchard NEO is all about. That's our church planting organization. And the goal is to see over the course of 30 years, 60 churches planted in Northeast Ohio and neighborhoods that need an effective gospel preaching church. And in order to highlight that this weekend, I really wanna talk about three dates, and I mean calendar dates that matter to us as it pertains to church planting. One is in the past and two are in the future. So the first date that I want to talk about is June 7th, 1981. June 7th, 1981. So on June 7th, 1981, a group of people gathered at the Barlow Community Center in downtown Hudson for the very first church service held by this church. At the time, it was called the Hudson Community, uh, Chap Hudson Community Chapel. Uh, Jim College was the pastor, which he's still here. His office is next to mine, which is an amazing thing to have him uh, still around. But on that day, a few people gathered at the Barlow Community Center for the very first service held by this church. And that's important for us to know because the reality is that every church begins as a church plant, including this one. Every church that has ever existed begins because a group of people care enough about their community and take seriously enough their role as witnesses for Jesus in their community that they step out and start sharing Jesus with their community. And so Christ Community Chapel is itself a church plant that's hardwired into the DNA of who we are as a church. And that's played itself out over the years. Even as we speak right now, there are five other independent churches that will meet this weekend that are all either plants or campuses, former campuses of this church. There's Redemption Chapel in Stowe, Silver Creek, Silver Creek Church in Aurora, Garden City Church in the Highland Square neighborhood of Akron, Wingfoot Church in Goodyear Heights, and then Story Church in Mayfield Heights. I would estimate that well over 5,000 people will attend a church this weekend at one of those six churches, including us. And the reason I tell you that is, and the reason June 7th, 1981 is so important is because I want you to imagine what is possible in the future by looking back on what the Lord has done in the past. 
Imagine if you walked into that room. Jim told me that that first summer as they worshiped, the summer of 1981, there were about 40 people who were gathering regularly at Hudson Community Chapel. Can you imagine what they would have thought if you had walked into that room in August of 1981 and said, in 42 years, because of your faithfulness, the Lord is going to use you to the point that there will be six churches and over 5,000 people gathered to worship and be together around Jesus. That's an amazing thing. And so what I want to do today is invite you to dream a little bit. That's why I refer to June 7th, 1981. Dream about what could be possible in the future because of what we've already seen the Lord do in the past. But the second date that I'd like to tell you about is May 6th, 2023. May 6th, 2023. Because on May 6th, 2023, the Grove Community Church in Shaker Heights will hold its first service as an independent church from Christ Community Chapel. So the, you can see a picture of Ray. Yeah, that's worth applauding. So Ray Byrne has been here for two years, two and a half years. He's been here with his family training and planning. They've launched and now they're ready to go independent, which is an amazing thing. We're going to celebrate that together with them, by the way. Uh, coming up on April 19th is our biannual members meeting. And after that, we're going to have a reception where we'll send off Ray. We'll encourage he and his family. It is an amazing thing for somebody like Ray to put it all on the line for the mission of Jesus, to say, I'm going to step out, go to a neighborhood where there currently are not enough effective gospel preaching churches and start from the ground up. But I tell you that because I think it's important to know that the work of church planting is ongoing all around us. Even as Ray is ready to go independent in a couple of weeks, we have Lentrell Abston and John Twyman who are here, who are training and preparing. And then we also, in two weeks, will be interviewing candidates for the next round of church planters who are coming in to be a part of what the Lord is doing here at CCC. That work is continually going on around us. And church planting comes with a lot of logistics and planning and strategy and all sorts of details like that. But at its core, church planting is about people who don't know Jesus having an opportunity to meet him. So one story I want to share with you uh, comes from Lentrail. So Lentrail is planting in the Euclid area, southeast Cle or East Cleveland, Euclid. And so he started to make some inroads in his neighborhood and start to build relationships there. And a few months back, there was an incident at one of the high schools in that area. And so the administration already had a relationship with Lentrail. So they reached out to him and asked if he would come and share with their students because of his background. Part of Lentrail's story is that he came to faith in Christ while he was incarcerated. And so Lentrail said, yeah, I'd be perfectly willing to come and share, but you just need to understand. It's impossible for me to share about my background and how my life has changed without also talking about Jesus. So you just got to understand, I would love to come and share with your students, but you need to know what my content is going to be. I am going to talk about Jesus and what he's done in, in my life. And so they said, yeah, go ahead, come on and share. And so Lentrell had the opportunity to share uh, with every incoming freshman his story, every in incoming freshman at this high school. And coming out of that, he was able to start what they called life study, which was uh, essentially a Bible study being held in the library of a public school. And Lentrell was able to build relationships with students to the point where he had a couple of guys that he actually led to faith in Jesus who will be baptized this upcoming summer at one of Lentrell's events. <laughs> 
And I tell you that because although there are so many logistics and details and pieces of church planting that are behind the scenes, at its core, the reason that we plant churches here at CCC is out of a deeply held conviction that there are people who need to hear about Jesus, who don't currently have an opportunity to hear about Jesus, who are right in our backyard. There are neighborhoods where there are not enough effective gospel preaching churches. So there are hundreds of thousands of people who don't currently have an opportunity to hear about who Jesus is and the life that he offers for them. And so we have the ability to do it and a responsibility to get involved if we take seriously the mission that Jesus has given us. It's like the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Let me read verses 14 and 15. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So we plant churches because there are people in neighborhoods in Northeast Ohio who need to hear about Jesus. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that's why we do it. And then the third date, the final date that I'd like to talk about is January 1st, 2051. January 1st, 2051. I know that's way out there, but I just want you to imagine January 1st, 2051 will mark 30 years after we launched the Every Community Goal to see 60 churches planted in neighborhoods all around Northeast Ohio. And I want you to imagine what it would be like to hop in your car that day and to drive around to 60 different places in Northeast Ohio that stand as a monument to God's faithfulness and his love for the people of Northeast Ohio. Imagine what that would be like. And you know, I think every one of us deep down wants to leave a legacy that's meaningful. I know that's true of me. I know that's true of us as a church. We want to know that the life that we live and the things that we do matter and not just matter for the short term, but matter for the long term. Let me ask you this. What would it mean for our legacy, for your legacy to participate in seeing 60 churches planted all around this area of our state? What would it mean for those families in those communities? What would it mean for people who live within miles of where we are right now who don't know who Jesus is or what he has for them? You know, I referred earlier to the fact that 40 years ago, there were 40 people gathered and the Lord used those 40 to eventually turn into six churches and 5,000. If he can do that with 40, what could he do with us? How many stories would there be like the one that I just told you about Lentrail in the library of that high school of people meeting Jesus and coming to faith in him? What would it be like to put your kids, to put your grandkids in the car and drive around and say, look at what the Lord has done because we as a church said we are going to take seriously the mission of Jesus and accept his invitation into it. So the question you might ask, and it would be a natural question, is okay, what can we do now? As individuals, as people who are here, what can I do, what can you do today to see that dream become a reality? And I have four things that I'd like to hold out to you. The first one is to engage, to engage. And what I mean by that is to engage in this church, in Christ Community Chapel. So if you haven't taken the Reimagine class and you're not a member, do that. If you aren't currently serving somewhere within the church, take that step. If you're not in a circle, if you don't have community, find that community by getting into a circle. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get out on the field because the reality is if we are gonna plant 60 churches out there, 
then we need to be the strongest and healthiest church that we can possibly be in here. And so for that to happen, we need to engage. You know, the reason we call our church planting program Orchard NEO is because the idea behind it is that one strong and healthy tree is capable of beginning an entire orchard. And that's what we would love to see the Lord do through our church by planting 60 churches over the next 30 years. But for that to happen, we need to get healthy, as healthy as we can on the inside. Second thing we can do is pray. Pray for our church planters, people like Ray Byrne and Lentrail Abston and John Twyman, John Ashley and Jeremy, Jeremy King, who've been independent for a while. Pray for our staff who are involved, like Steve Hyatt and Richard White and Anthony Petrosini and Hallie Andrews, who spend their day-to-day investing in church planters, helping to set them up for success. Pray for the neighborhoods. If you go down the every community hallway toward the gym, you can see a giant map that has every neighborhood in Northeast Ohio and the status of it as it pertains to whether or not there are enough effective gospel preaching churches. Pray that the Lord would open doors and create opportunities for his mission to go forward in our region. And if you want more specific ways to pray, I know the Orchard team will be in the atrium following the service. I know they regularly send out newsletters and different kinds of information about what the Lord is doing in church planting and how you can get involved. But the second thing we can do is pray. Third thing is to give. There are a lot of logistics and details that come with church planting and we try to do it as effectively and as efficiently as possible. But the reality is it costs about $250,000 to plant a church in Northeast Ohio. So I just need you to know when you give to this church, you are giving to things like that. You're giving to stories like the one that I told about Lentrail. You're saying, yes, we want more of that. We want more people to be able to hear about Jesus and who he is. But there are other ways that people give, can give as well. For example, there are a lot of logistics that come with church planning. Maybe you're skilled in helping organizations set up all of the details and governance that they need, writing up a 501c3, setting up a board, that sort of thing. Maybe you have that skill that you could give. Maybe you just have energy that you can give to a church planner to give them a lift, to give them extra set of hands. Maybe you have a skill of hospitality and encouragement where you can adopt a church planner, bring them to your house, take them out to dinner, encourage them with that. But whatever it is, figure out a way to give and get involved in what the Lord is doing. And then the fourth thing I'd like to hold out to you as a potential way to get involved is to go. And you never know what the Lord is going to do, how he's going to work in your life. Okay, but I also know that there are people in this room who live in neighborhoods where we will eventually look to plant a church. And when that time comes, I just want you to know we would encourage you to go. It's not because we don't want you here or we don't want you to be a part of CCC. Of course, we love having you here. But as much as we love having you here, we also love the people who live in your neighborhood who might never drive to Hudson to go to church, but may go across the street. So when that time comes, at least consider whether the Lord would have you to go. But there are other ways to go as well. You know, I know of families who are a part of this church, who live in Hudson, who have done things such as say, I'm going to go with a church plant for a year, help them get their kids ministry off the ground, help their, get their, get them get their house in order logistically, and then come back. What an incredible blessing that you could be to a church planner who's trying to start something from the ground up to say, you, I've got your back. You've got me for a year. Use me however you see fit. Listen, I'll finish with this. I love sports. Uh, And I remember when I was a kid, we had cable and a channel came onto our cable that no longer exists. It's called ESPN Classic. You may have heard of this channel. So 
Basically, what they did on ESPN Classic is they would show old classic sports games all day, basically on an endless loop. And I just remember one of the best things that could happen to me when I was in middle school or high school is that I could get home from school, flip on ESPN Classic, and see a game on TV that uh, involved one of my favorite teams that they ended up winning. And I know you might be saying to yourself, it's a pretty enormous waste of time to watch old sports games that have already happened. My response to you is, I have no argument. That's a very good point. (laughs) But let me tell you, it is a totally different experience to watch a game like that than watching it live. And the reason why is because no matter how bad it gets, no matter how dire the circumstances, no matter how dark things look, I already know the ending. I know that the story ends well. And I tell you that because although those are games and sports that, that don't really matter, And the things that really matter, the same principle holds today. We know how the story ends. We know that the story ends well. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the mission that Jesus has given his church, that he's given to us, will be successful. It's not a matter of if or maybe or if we catch the right breaks or if the circumstances hit just right. We know God's word tells us that there's a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the reason we can believe this is because we have the receipts. We've seen what God has already done in the past. We know what he's capable in the future of in the future because of what he's done in the past. There's nobody who cares more about people coming to faith in Jesus in North, Northeast Ohio than Jesus does. There's nobody who cares more about churches being planted in Northeast Ohio than Jesus does. And he has proven this to us through his life, death and resurrection. He's proven that he has the power to do it by raising from the dead, making it possible for us to have relationship with God and so many more who live nearby. So the question we should ask ourselves is this. If I knew that I couldn't miss, what kind of shot would I take? How would I pray? What would I do? What would I be willing to give? If I knew that everything that I did would be successful, what kind of approach would I have? That's the kind of church we want to be. The kind of church that readily accepts the invitation of Jesus into his mission to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, knowing that he has guaranteed our success as we look to be his witnesses in Hudson and in Northeast Ohio and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning and thank you for your love for us that you have expressed through your son, Jesus. Thank you that through him, You have made it possible for us to have relationship with you. God, thank you that you're at work at our lives and even now that you are at work in neighborhoods and communities and hearts and minds at places that we don't even know about, but that you're going to do amazing things. We pray that you would use us in that process. We pray for churches to be planted all around Northeast Ohio so that people can know who you are and what you've done for us through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen.